This is crude oil, a sludgy black liquid that is responsible for much of our modern world. Most people are familiar with the wealth that oil brings along with it and will picture glistening oil nations like the United Arab Emirates or cashed up Texans driving $150,000 pickup trucks. But the thing is, this wealth is probably pretty justified. Crude oil is used for so many things that we take for granted in our modern lives. Sure, there is fuel to power our cars, planes, trains and ships, but you already knew that. What is more is that everything from ink to fertilizers to shaving cream is also made using this black goop. So it goes without saying that this should be a relatively valuable commodity, given how useful it is, how limited its supply is, and how expensive its alternatives are. But just earlier this week, we have started seeing articles noting that oil prices have now gone into the negatives. People are literally paying to give other people one of the most influential and useful commodities in the world. So what is going on here? How does this make sense? Well, as always with these weird and wonderful things, it all comes down to basic economics and to properly understand this, we're going to need to look at three main things. Negative value items, yes, they exist. The 2020 oil market, and how we actually go about selling our oil. If we understand these concepts, the negative value of oil will make just a little bit more sense. And hopefully, it will go some way to answering the question, will we ever get paid to fill up? The idea of anything with a negative value probably sounds a bit strange to most people. We are brought up learning that we pay money for goods and services, and even in most business schools or economics classes, we will learn supply and demand where the seller is trying to make the most amount of money possible and the buyer is trying to pay the least amount of money possible. But the prices would always be in the positives. Even if we had something very, very cheap, like let's say a plastic cup, Chances are, you couldn't sell this for anything much, if at all. Even if you could, you may make what? Like one or two cents, and by the time you have found a buyer and set up the exchange, the actual time it would have taken you to make this exchange would have rendered the whole thing worthless. Because of the opportunity cost of this time, you would have been better working an extra minute at your job or simply just relaxing, assuming that you value an hour of sleeping in more than one or two cents. Things like this that have such little value that they are not worth transacting just don't get transacted. And by extension, there is absolutely no way that you would waste your time to find someone just to pay them to take that plastic cup off you, right? That makes even less sense than making some paltry sum because suddenly you are losing out on time, money, and your lovely little plastic cup. This makes sense. But the thing is, almost everybody watching would have made exactly this type of trade. This particular plastic cup may be special to you, but most people would probably call it garbage. We humans are fantastic at creating all types of waste, which to most of us is pretty unpleasant. We kind of just want it out of sight and out of mind. To achieve this, we will pay council rates or land tax or municipality bills to ensure that when we put our cans of garbage out on the streets, someone will pick them up and take them away. 
Garbage is a negative value item. It provides negative utility when you have it on hand, it takes up space, and sometimes it's just illegal to accumulate too much of it. So, we pay people to take it away from us and store it somewhere else. Now remember this for later, but for now, we can explore everything else knowing that negative prices do actually exist and they don't break any fundamental laws of economics. So with that in mind, let's look at the wild ride oil has been on in recent months. There are a few key events that have been massively destabilizing for oil markets this calendar year. The biggest and most significant upset was the breakdown of the agreement between Russia and OPEC nations regarding the limitations on oil production. We have explored OPEC before, most notably when we were exploring the economy of Venezuela, but for those not fully up to speed, OPEC is a collection of oil producing states that gets together to set rules around oil production. Chief among these rules is normally the amount of oil that is allowed to be supplied to other markets. Because oil is more or less an essential commodity to most modern nations, the demand for this good is relatively inelastic. Which means no matter the price, you pretty much have to suck it up and pay it. Unless you feel like walking. This means that by controlling the supply of oil carefully, these nations can increase the price to make sure that they get the most possible financial benefit from their reserves. Now this is literally a cartel, but they are the countries that own most of the oil in the world, so no one's probably going to tell them off. This all hit a bit of a hiccup earlier this year though, when it came down to negotiations between Saudi Arabia, who is the de facto leader of OPEC, and Russia. Russia is also a major oil producing nation, but it is not a member of OPEC because it was doing Soviet things when OPEC was being formed. But anyway, what this has meant is that in the past, Russia and OPEC have more or less decided to just be cool with one another. Russia saw that these countries had a good thing going and basically just left it at that. May as well just piggyback off the good idea. Now early this year, this unofficial partnership had a falling out and basically they just started pumping oil like crazy to try and drive the other one out of business. This was kind of the equivalent of shooting yourself in the foot to win an argument over who ran the slowest, but whatever. Now, this kind of disagreement between OPEC and other oil producing countries is nothing too new. But of course, this particular temper tantrum coincided with the largest market shutdown in modern history. Factories on lockdown, planes sitting idle on the tarmac, and people not making their daily commute all across the globe has meant that there is a massive reduction in demand for oil. So it's kind of been a double hit to the prices a massive increase in supply, and a massive decrease in demand. Now this itself will certainly lower prices, no doubt about it. But normally when faced with situations like these, rational institutions will just not sell as much and buyers will stock up to take full advantage of the lower prices and this will naturally raise prices all over again and it starts to alleviate the problem. But while this is true for most markets, it's not the case for oil. It would be a logical time to go out and buy a whole lot of gasoline, but most people don't have Mad Max style oil storage units sitting in their backyard. So once they have filled up their family car and maybe a few jerry cans, there really isn't much more that they can buy. Petrol is really toxic stuff, and it has to be stored very, very carefully. 
What's more is if you leave it exposed to air for too long, eventually it goes bad. So it's a bit difficult to go full toilet paper style crazy stockpiler with gasoline. Now given that neither OPEC or Russia wanted to give up on the supply side, the price just kept on getting pushed down and down despite the logical market assumptions. Okay, cool. So this all makes sense, but I am sure you have probably noticed something. Despite all of this, you still aren't seeing a $0 per gallon sign on any of your local gas stations. So what gives? Where would one actually go to be paid to fill up on gas? Well, nowhere. Petroleum that most cars run off is an end product of an intense refining process that crude oil goes through, and that isn't cheap. Refined petroleum is four times more expensive than crude oil at the best of times because of the cost of manufacturing. In the same way, a car's price is impacted by the price of steel, but even if steel was free, you aren't going to get a free car. Okay, so markups aside, let's say you were really industrious and were happy to just buy crude oil and worry about how to turn that into anything useful later on. Where is the free stuff at? Well, the best answer is, it was two days ago. If this whole situation has shown anything, it's that the world is an unpredictable place. If you went back six months and told someone that investors were paying other people to take barrels of crude oil off their hands, well that person would probably laugh at you. But well, here we are. Now, there are people that really do not like this uncertainty thing. Most notably, institutions that produce things, like say, companies that drill for oil. The last thing they want to do is incur all of the expenses to run an oil rig or whatever, ship it halfway across the world, and then find out that nobody wants to buy it, or worse still, they are going to have to pay to offload it. So what they do is basically buy insurance on the price of oil. On the other hand, there are people that really, really like taking on a risk, because it gives them the opportunity to make some additional profits. These are most often speculators. What these speculators will do is write up a contract with these oil producers that basically says something to the effect of, on April 21st, 2020, I will purchase 1,000 barrels of crude oil off you at the price of 30 US dollars per barrel. This is the foundation of a futures contract. This is a great deal for both parties because if oil appreciates in value, well then the speculators make some nice healthy profit. And if it decreases in value, well, the oil producer is still able to sell their oil for an agreed upon price and lock in their profit margin. Now what makes things interesting is that these contracts are actually exchangeable, meaning that they can appreciate and depreciate in value based on the price of the underlying asset they are derived from. One last important point to note on these contracts is how these contracts will be fulfilled. Most derivative contracts these days are settled financially, meaning that at the end of the contract, the speculator will pay the producer if prices have gone down, or the producer will pay the speculator if prices have gone up. This still locks in prices for the producer, but it's just a lot easier to settle your bets in cash. Oil futures, on the other hand, are a little bit different because they are physically delivered, meaning that on the date of the future contract expiry, someone will be there with 1,000 barrels of oil to give to you, and it's up to you to find something to do with it after that. 
Now, typical speculators on oil futures are financial institutions. Big glass towers full of people in suits who think they are better than you. They are happy to make money off these futures, but have no interest in actually taking delivery of any oil, because, well, they would have nowhere to keep it. This has led to a funny, but unconfirmed anecdote. A high-powered derivatives trader in New York City was trading hog futures. And yes, there is literally a derivatives market for bacon. He made an amazing trade and it looked like he was able to settle on the contract for millions in profit. The derivatives trader made the unfortunate mistake though of entering into a physically delivered contract, which meant that by the end of the day, he would have to find somewhere to keep 10,000 pigs or exit the contracts at a massive loss. In reality, speculators trade physically delivered contracts all the time. They just make sure to sell out of these contracts before the end of the contract date. So some of you can probably start to see where this is going for oil. There were a lot of futures contracts that were to be physically delivered on the 21st of April 2020. OPEC and Russia were still pumping away, financial institutions held a whole lot of futures contracts, and there is only a limited amount of storage within the United States. So, people started to realise, oh shit, I gotta get someone else to hold this contract or else some oil tanker is gonna rock up on my doorstep and start pumping crude oil out. The reaction to this was that the price of these futures started dropping, and when people got really really desperate, they started paying other people to take the oil from them so they didn't have to deal with the responsibility of storing it. As it turns out, oil at the moment doesn't actually have a negative value. It's just that the cost of storing it in an overflowing storage facility outstrips the cost that you will reclaim by actually selling it. Remember our garbage example where people had smelly toxic materials that they would pay for the privilege of having someone take away from them? Well, as of April 2020, crude oil is literally garbage. It is a smelly, toxic material that people are literally paying other people to have the privilege of them taking it away from them. Now normally, this facility is Cushing, Oklahoma. It's the agreed upon meeting point to sell oil futures within the United States. But as we have seen, it is totally full. So who are we paying now to keep this oil? Well, anybody that we can. Oil transport ships have been filled to the brim with crude oil and then parked out at sea as a temporary fix. Shipping companies are literally being paid to fill up their ships and then go and park them out at sea. So it's a big win for them. On a smaller scale, anybody with the physical capacity to properly store crude oil was getting paid to do so in the same way that garbage men get paid to pick up trash. Somebody asked recently, how can I profit off negative oil prices? And a somewhat light-hearted response was, being Cushing, Oklahoma with a few jerry cans. People laughed, but it's almost legitimately true. Okay, so hopefully we now understand the wild ride that the oil market has been through, futures contracts, and how this all turned oil into a negative value item. But what does this mean for the wider economy? For a bit of good news, some of this has meant that struggling businesses are getting a bit of a reprieve. Negative oil prices have meant that things like airline and logistics companies that have been particularly heavy hit in recent months at least have one of their major expenses alleviated. 
we have also seen how shipping companies are directly profiting from turning their ships into giant storage containers, which is again, helping out an industry that's otherwise been pretty heavily impacted this year. On a more individual level, the few people that are still out there driving are probably enjoying the boost of their household budget during these more uncertain times. On a wider level though, it's just another example of a world run by weird bureaucracy. A world that has been divorced from the perfect little economic assumptions that we make for ourselves. Things like derivatives that often get criticised for causing situations like this have their place in the world and provide genuine benefit to their participants. But things like negative oil prices go to show that they have the power to massively impact normal market forces that would normally dictate that everyone go out and buy some more oil. And those that produce it may just slow down just a little bit. Instead, we are almost being handcuffed by contractual obligations into creating really poor economic decisions that don't serve anybody. Beyond this, negative oil prices are just like negative interest rates. They don't really make sense on paper, and the more that is revealed about them, the more it just goes to show they are the result of an economy that probably has some very poor underlying fundamentals. So, if it's the answer that you came here looking for, I'm sorry to break it to you, but no. You will never be paid to fill up your car. Brand markups, refining costs and gas taxes will well and truly make sure of that. And to further burst your bubble, it looks like as of Wednesday this week, Russia and Saudi Arabia have decided to kiss and make up and start price gouging again like the good old days. But perhaps the consolation prize for missing out on a free fill up is the insight into the inner workings of global markets extreme events like this can give to us. It also helps us wrangle with the idea that price is a totally variable figure. Just because it's logical to pay money in exchange for something doesn't mean it has to be the case. So many people today just take for granted the idea that this thing or that thing will go up in price forever because there is a limited supply of it. We see this mentality applied to things like real estate and precious metals, artwork, bitcoins, and of course, oil. Just because there is an absolute limit in supply does not mean anything is destined to appreciate forever. And sometimes, just sometimes, well, once treasured items become something we need to trash. Hi guys, thanks for watching. If you did enjoy, please consider liking and subscribing. If you really enjoyed, please consider supporting the channel on Patreon like these lovely people did. It really helps out, guys. I also want to hear your opinions on the subject, and you can share them on our Q&A session hosted on our second channel and on our Discord server. Links in the video description to both of those, so hop on. I look forward to seeing you guys over there. Thanks, guys. Bye.